0: I agree. You <laughs> can see that coming. Hi my name is John and I've been sent here to talk with you a little bit um, from the Gospel of John focusing on chapter 7. So we've been on Bible Mondays and behold it's a Monday. So here it is, chapter 7 of John. I'm just going to focus on a couple of verses, big, big chapter. So in the opening verses of the chapter 7 of the Gospel of John, we see Jesus up in Galilee. It's summer. And his brothers are heading up to Jerusalem for the feast of tabernacles which takes place in the fall around now and they want to go up and they say hey we're going up and why don't you want to go up you're famous you should go where the action is so your followers can see you instead of up here in lame Galilee and he's like no 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 I'm not going you guys go ahead and then he sneaks up later separately And there's a lot of controversy about Jesus. Some people are saying this guy might be the Messiah. Other people are like, no, but he is a prophet. Other people are like, he's a problem. He's just misleading the people. He begins teaching and they're wowed with how he can teach given that he's from Galilee and has no proper training. Um, And he is not really particularly interested in how much they like him. Right? They keep saying, you're the best, and he, the people who say that. And he's like, ah, but you're just trying to kill me. And they're like, we're not trying to kill you. And he's like, trust me, you will soon enough. Right? So he's, you know, he's, he's just not really caught up in the glory that they're throwing at him. And then it says in verse 37, which is where we'll pick up today, that on the last day of the feast, that's the Feast of Tabernacles, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Whoever trusts in me, as the scripture says, out of their heart will flow rivers. Of living water. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, I ask that your word would come to us today, not only in the form of words, but in the power of your Holy Spirit. May the very Holy Spirit that rested upon Jesus and in turn inspired the writing of these words, may that one and the same Spirit be sent afresh on us that we may receive your word in the power of its truth and grace. For your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, is full of grace and truth. And so in his name we pray. Amen. Are you thirsty? I am. Are... I'm going to leave that off because I'm going to need that again. Are you thirsty? Do you thirst? It's a metaphor, right? I mean, maybe some of you are thirsty like me, but do you have a thirst for God? Do you have a desire to be drawn nearer to God? Do you thirst? I see signs of thirst in this room just moments ago even as we sang. Even during prayer. When we're quiet because we're supposed to be. (laughs) But there's nevertheless that sense that surely some of you have a deep thirst For God. Do you thirst? Jesus cries out to you. If you thirst, come to me and drink. If you thirst, come to me and drink. And I imagine that the metaphor of thirst is clear. That we know what it's like, that there's seasons in our lives, or at least we've seen it in others, of a genuine desire for God. A genuine desire for depth, a genuine desire for something from God, learning, healing, guidance, all the things we desire from God. We we get that. But what is this water (laughs) that he is going to give us drink like okay if I'm thirsty for God I come to Jesus and drink well, what is it that we're drinking what is this water you've been studying we've been studying the book of John uh, this fall and water keeps showing up maybe you've noticed this if it hasn't I'll highlight it for you now In the very first chapter of the Gospel of John we see John, not the author of the book, but John the Baptist, baptizing with water. Right? And predicting that one will come after him who is before him and is more worthy than him and ahead of him who will baptize not with water but with the Spirit. And Jesus, and excuse me, John testifies that when he baptized Jesus, and right as Jesus came out of the water, he saw the Holy Spirit come down and abide on Jesus. Right? And then in chapter 2, we see Jesus' first sign. Right? His first sign. And his first sign is changing water into booze. Yes, at a wedding. And, and you may not have noticed this, but it's a lot of water, which means it's a lot of, yeah. It's a lot of water. It's like these really, you know, 50-gallon jugs. If you ever been to Casa Brava? huh? Yeah. You, know those, you know those big jugs they have, right? Not the really tall one, but like the medium-sized one by the door? That's the size jug they're talking about, okay? Right? And tons of those jugs, full of water. This water that was for purification is transformed into wine of celebration. And then chapter 3, the next chapter, Jesus is at night having a conversation with Nicodemus. And right out of the gate, Jesus says, first line, Unless you are born of water and of spirit... Right? You will not see the kingdom of God. What is this water? This water in which John baptizes. This water that's turned into wine. This water that we're supposed to be born of along with the spirit. And, and then the water kind of um, drops out there. But then it comes back again in chapter 4. Chapter 4. There's water. At the middle of the day, not at midnight, but now at noon you have The Samaritan woman at the well, right? And Jesus says, if you knew who you were speaking with, I would give you the water that I have. Oh, well, that's getting real close to what we're talking about. I would give you the water. If you came to me, I would give you water and you would never thirst again. And she's like, you don't even have a bucket, man, right? Where's your bucket? How are you going to give me this water? Give me this water. He's like, you know, again, it's a metaphor, right? Like, there's something else going on here. But what is this water that he keeps referencing but not fully explaining? Chapter 5 is a passing moment of water, I suppose. It's uh, the stirring of the water uh, of the angel. Um, the guy never gets in in time into the water. And... And then chapter 6, no explicit reference to water. I'll come back to that in a second. And then we get here to 7. Water. Come to me, all who are thirsty. If you are thirsty, come to me and drink. And if you drink the water I give you, you won't have to keep coming back because a spring of living water will gush out from your guts. Right? Water comes up from within you. The water you get from me actually makes you become a well yourself, filled with water within that pours out for yourself and others. What is this water? We saw hints, chapter one, chapter three, little hints in a contrast of water. But here the narrator helps us out. And you, you know, Bible scholar types who had your Bible out, you were paying attention, and you were like, why do you stop at verse 38? Dude, just read verse 39. It answers your silly question. Right, (laughs) yeah. But of course, if you were there, you wouldn't know this. Because this is a narrator talking. Right? So look at verse 39. Now he said this, ah, okay, the narrator kind of said, hey guys, now he said this, About the Spirit, whom those who trusted in Him were going to receive. But as yet, the Spirit had not yet come to be, because Jesus was not yet glorified. What is the living water? Short answer, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is this living water that Jesus gives to us. If you are thirsty for God, you are invited to come to Jesus. And the water that He gives that quenches that thirst is His Spirit. His Spirit. Now, I could be wrong, but what I've noticed is that among Christians, there tends to be two types of us, okay? There's Christians who are drawn to the word, okay? You love to learn. Right? You're the ones who, like, the moment I got up here, started getting out your Bible. It's Bible Monday. I love Bible Monday. Right? It's, you love the word. Right? You love to learn. You have an intellectual connection with your Christian faith. Right? Side note, some of you are like, I'm not like that. Right? Some of you who struggle in your faith, you're doubters. Right? That's still that same type of person. You track it? Because you have those intellectual doubts that are drawing you away, right? But you're still a word-oriented person. See it? Right? And others of us tend to be spirit-oriented Christians. You see it? Right? Who are like, oh, I just gotta dance! Right? Like, Like there's this excitement, right? They want to feel it, right? As less of a intellectual connection, more of a heart connection now that's overstated but you get the point right 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 these are the people who are kind of like you know put your hands down in chapel I can't see the lyrics right Right. (laughs) that was funnier than I planned Then there's this person, right? It's not going to be as good because I don't even know what the joke's going to be. I didn't have that one planned. Um, I'll just be honest. I'm one of these people. I'll just be honest. I mean, I'm a professor, you know, duh, right? When I'm getting blessed in a worship service, sometimes I sit down. That's what happens to me. That's a. I'm an introvert. I go into a contemplative space. That's because I'm getting blessed. But I I get anxious that these people are judging me. I'm not saying you are, but but maybe you do sometimes, right? (laughs) Like, these are the folks who are like, "What's with all those people doing homework?" Right? The spirit of God's in this place. What's wrong with those people? Right? (laughs) But the word makes. Space for the spirit. And the spirit makes time for the word. The word and the spirit move with and toward and from each other. Okay? Right? You spiritual types need some word. Right? And you geeks need to loosen up. Right? Right? There's a rhythm to word and spirit. A rhythm to word and spirit that Jesus invites us into. I said there's no reference to water in in chapter 6. In chapter 6 we get a different metaphor. It's bread. The bread of life, the living bread. And there we get the first of Jesus' famous I am statements. We get another one next week. Got more to come, right? It's one of these themes in the book of John. I am the living bread, he says, comes down from heaven. I am the bread of life. And I remember I was doing this study, again, (laughs) I'm one of those word geeks, right? I was doing this study of all these I am statements, and I was struck that there's no I am the living water. Why doesn't he say, I am the living water? And it was when I was studying this passage that it finally occurred to me. Oh, because he's not, right? He's the living bread. And the Holy Spirit is the living water. And what do you need? Bread and water. And you don't choose between them, right? Remember, it was Passover season in chapter 6. And they're out in the wilderness. And like Moses, yet better, Jesus breaks bread and gives them manna from heaven. You see it? The living bread. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. He's the true bread. He's the true manna. I'm the bread. And then in chapter 7, they're at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the feast that remembers that they wandered in the desert. Hmm? All right? And it's during that feast that he says, I am the living water. Nope. Said it wrong. Come to me and drink. And living water will spring up within you. Right? Bread and water, the two great miracles that Moses performed in the wilderness. You see it? Okay. So Jesus is the manna, the solid food. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. He's the solid food, and the spirit is the water that births forth from the rock that is Christ. I started to notice that all the metaphors for Jesus, for the word, right, are solid metaphors, okay? I'll get to others, but I'll just, we'll just do bread for now. But we get rock, we have some others. Solid. Why am I going over here? Here was word, here was the word geeks, but I'm going to. Whatever, who cares? Word. The metaphors for the spirit are all fluid. You see it? Even the word spirit, which just means wind or breath. Wind, it blows where it wills, right? You can't see it, can't touch it, but you know it's there, you hear its sound. Right? Fire. Right? Water. Even a dove. The most solid image you get for the spirit is... This kind of flittery thing, you know, moving around that you can't control, right? The Word is that solid place that we can come back to again and again. You can see it, you can touch it, you can taste it. It's our daily bread. All right? And the Spirit blows where it wills. <laughs> The spirit is the water that wells up within us when we abide in the word. Did you track it? Right? When we abide in the word, the spirit comes. Now, it's not that one is more important than the other. In some sense, you could say the word is more important. Because without the word, then it's just feelings. It's not the spirit. That's true. But you could also say it the other way words like dude don't just get like study me the whole point is in abiding in me you're opening yourself up to the spirit so depending on which end of the stick you pick it up you could say the spirit's more important the words more important it doesn't really matter the point is is what does it look like to drink to drink means to abide in the word to trust in Jesus to come back to him again and again to eat your daily bread and the word makes space for the spirit okay. if you are thirsty for God make room for God make room for God by abiding in his word Make room for God by abiding in His Word because His Word will make room for His Spirit. That means that there's going to be a lot of times in our life when we go to the well and it's dry. There are lots of times in our life when we go to the well of the word, when we pray, when we study the scriptures, when we join with other Christians, the standard means of grace, right? Even chapel, it's going to be dry. Sometimes, often. and it's not an insult if the cha- if chapel is offering the word then you keep coming because the spirit blows when and where it wills and you are faithful to abide in the word until when god wills the spirit blows this is how it works right It could in fact be that God permits and even desires and causes dry seasons so that we will cling to him and trust him and remember that the spirit is not under our control and something we can drum up through our own feelings but that we wait for God in the word. We come to the well and we drink what we get and Sometimes it wells up within, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes, when you thought it was dry, the person sitting right next to you got soaked in the spirit. And neither of those have to do with how good the band was, or the preacher, or your Bible study, or your prayer. Got it? Be faithful, abide in the word. Because the word makes space for the spirit. Creates a place in you for the spirit to well up. This is weird. This is a funny sermon because I'm kind of saying like you can't do anything. And yet you got to do something. Right? And, And I mean it that way. Right? Yeah. Abide in the word. Not because you can control it, but because the spirit will work in you in his way and time. And it makes me think of what Jesus says in a different gospel. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, cool, we can stop working. Take my yoke upon you. What? Right, my yoke. I have a yoke. I have work for you. And learn from me because I'm gentle and humble heart. Okay, it's a gentle and a humble yoke. And you will find rest for your souls because my yoke fits. And my burden is bearable. Jesus has a yoke for us to bear. But it's a bearable yoke. It's a fitting yoke. It is to abide in his word, right? To gather together, to study his scriptures. Heck, you're applying this sermon to your life right now by just showing up and taking that mustard seed of faith that the word in which you abide will make room for the spirit that you thirst after.